Hey, y'all. You're listening to the All Y'all Podcast presented by Holiday Lanes. I'm Sarah Abair, And I'm Chris J. All Y'all is a live storytelling event series and podcast produced in Shreveport, Louisiana. This spooktacular episode is special for Halloween and features storyteller Clay Walker. Clay's story was recorded live on stage at the Remington Suite Hotel in downtown Shreveport during a fundraiser show benefiting the Louisiana Association for the Blind. That show took place on November 12, 2016, and the theme of the night was haunted. Before we get to Clay's story, we wanted to thank everyone who helped make Haunted one of the most successful fundraiser events we've ever held. Thanks to our sponsors and the ticket-buying audience, we were able to donate a grand total of $2,100 to the Louisiana Association for the Blind. Without the sponsorship of Holiday Lanes, Max Centric, Williams Creative Group, and the Remington Suite Hotel, that amount would have been much smaller. So if you're looking for something fun to do, please consider supporting our title sponsor, Holiday Lanes, or any of the other sponsors that we mentioned. Holiday Lanes has an all-new website where you can find all of their current promotions and discounts and special offers. It's all on one page. All you have to do is visit bowlholidaylanes.com and check out the specials page. Now would also be a good time, well, not only to mention what I'm about to mention, but to point out that we are recording this episode with our dogs, WYSIWYG. <laughs> WYSIWYG and, and Bowser. Bowser, who are being allowed to stay in the studio this time, just this once. So if you hear like a collar shake or someone like licking their own stomach, it's not me or Sarah. <laughs> My stomach is delicious. <laughs> so now would be a good time to mention that our next fundraiser night of true stories told live on stage will be held on Saturday, November 11th, 2017. The theme of the night will be love. With no further ado, here's Clay Walker with two spine-tingling stories told back-to-back in an episode that we're just going to call Ghost Stories. My grandmother was named Susie Bell Lyons. When she was a child, she would ride her tricycle around her house and try to call herself the Duchess of the House. But she couldn't pronounce Duchess, so she called herself the Duke of the House. And so if you knew her, if you knew Susie Bell, you called her Duke. For those that don't or didn't know her, um, think of Auntie Mame. This is a woman that loved company. She hated an empty house. She had six kids, so she has a giant house. But she loved it full of people. She wanted to hear talking and laughter and the clinking of glasses. She loved parties. She loved having people over. And so when I was growing up, all my friends in high school, that was the place we congregated. I mean, we had our parties there. We went to, you know, homecoming, whatever it was. Or if we went out at 1130, we all met back at Duke's. And she'd be there. She'd welcome us in. She'd visit with us, talk with us. We'd stay up till 2 or whatever it is. And if you were lucky, on one of those nights, she'd come out. She was a, she was a fan of scotch. <laughs> she'd make herself a scotch and, and water, scotch and soda, and, and she'd tell a ghost story, if you're lucky. And so a lot of nights that we were there, my best friends and I, we'd sit around. She had, uh, you got to kind of see the house a little bit. You walk in. 
It's just a big, giant room that you walked into. There was a living room and a bar right off this one big central room. And so we did this so many times. I mean, all the nights we'd be at her, at her house. And fast forward about 10, 15 years. We're now about 30. Um, everybody's getting married. All of our friends are getting married. And one of our best friends um, asks if she can have her couple shower at Duke's house. We want to have a, you know, kind of back to our youth sort of party, and and uh, and plus it can it can accommodate about 100 people. And so we go to Duke's house for the for the uh, couple shower, and it's about seven o'clock at night. I'm at the bar. You got the main central room and then the music room. I'm at the bar and I'm cutting lemons, cutting limes, getting ready, get the ice ready. I'm the bartender for the night. And a friend of mine, Stacy, walks up and says, who's the little girl that just walked downstairs? And I look up and I kind of see a small figure walking down. There's two hallways to all the bedrooms for the six kids and, and for Duke. And I can see a child walking down the stairs. And I said, don't worry about it. Um, she has a border. One of my cousins had a friend that was at Barksdale Air Force Base. Unfortunately, he was getting divorced. And so he was living downstairs with his two kids. He had a son and a daughter. And I said, don't worry about it. It's the border's daughter, but they're going to be downstairs all night. So we can, the party can go on. It's going to be OK. So the party goes on. We have drinks and food, and, and everybody's having a good time, you know, toasts and everything for a couple shower. And it's about 11.30. And like happens at Duke's every time, we're down to like the last four couples, just closest friends from high school, sitting around talking. And somebody says, you got to tell one of the ghost stories. And so I said, all right, let me tell the ghost story. Duke had six kids. The youngest was my Aunt Marion. And Marion was then and is very musical, um, always singing, writes her own music, plays the piano, plays several instruments, just very musical. Um, she's the last child in the house, but that night she's spending the night out. So Duke's in the house by herself. It's about 2.15 in the morning, and she wakes up to this girl singing. So, just a cappella, beautiful voice singing, and she can hear it. So the two bedroom hallways, you come off of that main room, and there's just two long hallways, bedrooms upstairs and then bedrooms downstairs. Dukes is at the very end of the top. She can hear at the very end of the bottom what we called the bird room. It had silver wallpaper with these black silhouettes of birds all over it. So we, growing up, we called it the bird room. She can hear, as she's kind of sitting up in her bed, she can hear that the singing is coming from downstairs in the bird room. So she gets up and she's walking downstairs and she's thinking to herself, you know, is Marion here? And this is strange, Marion's sleeping over at, at a friend's house. Who, who, what is, what's this noise coming from? She was thinking maybe it's a radio or something. So she's walking all the way down the hallway and she gets all the way downstairs it really does help if you can see the house. She has a huge boiler room downstairs. It was, it was a spooky, the downstairs was spooky. The upstairs was fun, but the downstairs was spooky. It had a huge boiler room, and you had to walk past that. You're walking all the way down to this long hallway. Anyway, she gets into the hallway, and in the bird room, she comes in, and she's thinking it's going to be Marion, maybe. Maybe they've snuck out or something. 
She gets into the bird room, and there's a little girl sitting in a, a blue dress with like a little white, it's a blue nightgown with a little white frill around the arms. And the little girl's just singing, just belting out a song. And she's like, um, excuse me, little girl, who are you? What are you doing in my house? And she just keeps singing. And so a little louder, a little more assertive, she's like, um, excuse me, little girl, who are you? And the little girl stops singing and just turns and looks at her and vanishes. Just disappears sitting at the foot of the bed. And so Duke thinks to herself, might have been one too many scotches tonight. <laughs> um, I'm going back to bed. And so she goes upstairs and she goes back to bed. And the next morning, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, the parents of the, where her daughter was spending the night, right? They come over. They bring back her daughter and, and, and Duke's child, Marion. It's that morning, it's about 10 o'clock. If you can picture again that main room here, the living room was here, the bar was here, there's a sun porch. It's all surrounding this main room. Well, they're sitting in the sun porch and Duke's friend Dottie says, well, Duke, I had the strangest dream last night. At about 2.15, I'm woken up in my house by this singing. This girl is just singing at the, at the house. And I'm thinking to myself, Marion's spending the night. Marion is singing. Why is she singing at 2.15 in the morning? <laughs> and so she gets up, and she walks down her bedroom hallway, and she gets into the bedroom, and laying in the bed, Marion and her daughter are both asleep. And there's a little girl sitting at the foot of the bed in a little light blue nightgown with little white frills. And she's just singing a cappella, beautiful song. And she says, she's thinking to herself, you know, did they sneak over a third friend? Like, what, what, what's going on? But nevertheless, she can't be singing at 2.15 in the morning. So she says, excuse me, little girl, who are you? What are you doing here? Did you sneak out? You know, nothing. She just keeps singing. So she says, little girl, I need you to stop singing. Who are you? And the little girl just, she stops singing. She turns and looks at Dottie and vanishes. So now she's looking at the bed and she's got her daughter and, and Mary and her laying in the bed and she thinks maybe she's having a dream, whatever it is. She goes upstairs, she goes to bed, but she tells this story to Duke the next morning and when she finishes the bar right here at the end, you had to walk through a door to get into the sun porch and it had hinges on it, three hinges, and it would open and swing. And when Dottie finishes the story, when she says, and the little girl vanished, the door just started swinging. Now it's 10 a.m., broad daylight, everybody's sober. <laughs> it's, it's, even in Shreveport, it's too early at 10 for scotch. So the door's just swinging. And so the husband of the, of the couple gets up and he walks over and literally puts his foot in the doorway, in the path of the doorway, and he stops it. And then he takes his foot away and it keeps swinging. All three adults are just standing there watching it happen. They literally call in a handyman who stops the door and takes it off the hinges. And so I'm sitting in the living room back at the couple shower and I've just finished the story and I, I turn behind me and I say, you can see, because the living room's here, the big room here, and then there's the, you can see the bar right there. I point to it, I say, you can see right there, see the three hinges where the door used to be? That's the door that was swinging. 
And when I turn back, I'm looking at the crowd, and Stacy, my friend, is just sobbing. Tears are just rolling down her face. And I said, oh, I didn't mean to freak you out that much. No, it's just a story. It's just one of Duke's story. And she says, no, Clay, the girl earlier by the bar, she had on a light blue nightgown with white frills on it. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm, all right. We, I mean, I expect everybody else to be scared by the story, not me. We, I jump up, and actually a friend and I go downstairs, but again, this downstairs is spooky. It always was. Probably because my cousin Peter, who's right here, locked me in the boiler room when I was about, yeah, when I was about 13, he locked me in the boiler room. So I'm not a fan of the boiler room. But I'm, we run downstairs, and I'm going past the boiler room, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if, if the guy's living here, I can't just barge in at 1230 at night, right? So we're kind of slowing down as we get closer to the bird room, and we start to look around the door, and the door's wide open, and it's empty. And so we found out from Duke a little later on the border had moved out two months before. And that's it. The audience who's listening to this podcast, they just heard uh, the story that you told at Haunted yeah. uh, back in November of 2016 about Duke's house and, and some guests that may uh, have never left Duke's house. We don't know. <laughs> um, and the thing that they may not know is that in addition to that story, there's actually a whole other kind of incredibly um, compelling ghost story that you had on deck that night. But you just didn't have enough time to tell that whole other story. Yeah, so Duke, I mean, the fantastic thing about her, when we would go over, four or five of us would be sitting around the house. We'd have we'd been hanging out for the day or whatever it was. She would sit down with us, and she, would, she, had, a, she had 10 or 12 stories. And so depending on who the friends were, the time and night, you know, she'd make a meal, whatever it was. But she would tell a story. The one I told, probably my favorite but the one that really uh, was actually the closest to home um, was the dog story. It was, it was Ghost. Uh, Duke was a huge dog fan. Um, had, at any given time, two or three dogs at least. I mean, she would always have at least two or three. Um, big part of her life, she was a huge dog fan. She tells this story. She's sitting in the living room, and she's got a big white German Shepherd, male, big dog old white German Shepherd kind of sitting on her lap and she tells this story. This is probably like 1988 or so. I'm in high school. Um, and she says that back in, I mean, it was literally like the 60s. It was back in like 1965. She's got her dogs at that point, several dogs, um, as she always did. And the way she handled that, she had um, her garage was a huge three-car garage, and, and a big part of it was just the dog area, and would have dog bowls and big water bowls and, and food bowls, and she fed all the dogs out there. And, and so she tells the story that she would go out there to feed the dogs, and up, white, up walks this white German Shepherd, a male German Shepherd. Not her dog. Beautiful dog, and she thought immediately... Um, this belongs to somebody. So I'm not going to just take him in and kind of, you know, take him over. I've, I've got to, I've got to leave him outside. I'll feed him because he's clearly hungry, but I'm, I'm just going to leave him outside and 
you know, he'll get back to his owners. His owners will come and find him. This is literally, you know, for the younger folks, this is 65. There's no internet. There's no cell phones. There's no nothing to find dogs. Um, anyway, bottom line is, is, um, she hears nothing about anybody missing a dog. And so it's literally like two or three weeks she's been feeding this dog outside and just being nice to it out in the garage. And so she finally decides, okay, it's long enough. I'm, I'm going to take the dog in. Somebody's lost the dog and, and not coming back. So she opens the door and you had to know her house. I was saying this before. It's a, it was a crazy um, big house and it was also just the layout. It was kind of three stories. This dog walks in a back laundry room from the garage, walks through the laundry room, walks through the kitchen, walks through the bar, walks through the foyer, walks. There's four or five directions he could go. There's outdoor patios, there's TV rooms, a music room, the dining room, everything. Chooses none of that, goes right to a hallway. Instead of going down the hallway to the upstairs bedroom, goes downstairs and, and just on a rail walks all the way virtually the opposite side of the house, what was called the bird room, and which was in the earlier story, walks into the bird room and lays on the floor, just at ease, as if he's been here before sort of thing. And so she, you know, she chuckles to herself and says, well, I guess you've made yourself at home sort of thing, and feeds the dog, cares for the dog, everything, takes the dog to the vet. There was a, a vet at the, um, the corner of 70th and Cresswell, um, so she goes there, and the veterinarian says to her, um, Susie Bell, I'm sorry. I know you love dogs. This dog is this dog is like 15 or 16 years old. It's old. You can see it, it looks like it's been a hunting dog. The tips of its ears, real tall, kind of pointy ears on a German Shepherd, were, 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 were ragged on top. It looks like they've been kind of like literally somebody shooting over its head with a shotgun, the tips of its ears are shot off. And so he's not going to live very long. You know, do what you can, take care of him, feed him and, and, and love him, but he's not going to live very long. Um, about 13 years later, he died. It was literally late 70s that he dies. Um, and so she always kind of chuckled about that, loved the dog. After Ghost One, she named him Ghost, I should have said, um, she named him Ghost. Um, Ghost One dies, um, and she buys a white German Shepherd. She really enjoyed the protection and the size of the dog and everything else, and so she buys one. And Ghost Two died, unfortunately, like three months, four months. It was a heat exhaustion, heat stroke, something just did not do well and dies. And so like Dude did, she was very laid back. She said, I'm obviously not meant to have anybody but Ghost One. That was my special. That was Ghost. And so she 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 did not think about that again but walks out again now this is like 1982 um she walks out to feed her dogs and and she kind of just tells you in her in her laid-back way she just says you know um and and there he was there's a white german shepherd male full-grown eating with the other dogs and she kind of chuckled she looked around she literally she said the first thing she thought of was Am I on candid camera? Is somebody messing with me? Because it can't be. It looks just like Ghost. And so she kind of chuckles about it. But again, she thinks to herself, somebody's dog that they're raising, um, I'm going to leave it alone. In a very peculiar way, two or three weeks, feeding it outside, finally recognizes 
Um, nobody's coming to get him. So she opens the door, and again, this this other this new dog goes through what is I think I counted it one time. I think it's literally twenty six options, twenty seven options of where the dog could have gone. Walks all the way through the first floor, downstairs, all the way back into the burn room. If you knew the house, it was this green carpet and just lays on the green carpet in his favorite spot. It was right below her bedroom, was upstairs. And so, you know, again, she just kind of chuckled about it and said that's, it's obviously meant to be. A few weeks later, a few days later, takes the dog. It's been so long, it's a new veterinarian. It's still a veterinarian shop. It's still a store that's a veterinarian, but it's a new doctor. It's a new veterinarian. Um, and he says, well, uh, Susie Bell? Um, it's always good that you take in dogs. I know how you love them, um, but this one's old. This one's probably 13, 14 years old. You know, all I can tell you is it looks like he may be some kind of a hunting dog. The tips of his ears are shot off. I mean, it's the same, and she's just laughing to herself, and she says, whatever, Doc, it's fine. And he says, you know, he's, he's, he's old. He's 12 or 13, and so... With a big dog like this, you're going to have hip problems, and he's not going to last very long. And that was in 81, 82. And then Ghost 3 didn't die until 95, maybe. Um, so I saw this dog with my eyes. Of all of her ghost stories, and she had seriously a, a dozen or more, um, this is the one that I saw. You could see the picture of Ghost 1, and I'm looking at Ghost 3. Um, and both are male German Shepherds that walk right up and then walk right into the house and make themselves at home. It was, and there was nothing scary about it. There was nothing. I mean, the dog was lovely. You, all of the children, we you could lay your head right on his belly, and and he was great. Um, so it wasn't scary. It was just how our house was. There were just, like you said earlier, um, visitors that hadn't left, sort of thing, and there were dogs that were just kind of meant to be there. So that's how our house was. That was storyteller Clay Walker recorded live on the All Y'all stage on November 12, 2016, followed by an interview recorded at his home in Shreveport South Highlands neighborhood. If you'd like to see an incredibly cool photo of Duke with her dog Ghost, you can find that photo at allyallblog.com. We'd also like to thank our episode sponsors, Maxcentric and Williams Creative Group, for their ongoing support. Maxcentric is Shreveport's locally owned Apple premium service provider, and they're the only people that Sarah and I trust with our Macintosh products. Thanks for saving me over and over, Thomas and Chris. Williams Creative Group is a marketing and public relations firm in Shreveport where Chris and I both worked during our careers. And if your business needs help telling its story, consider reaching out to Judy, Francesca, Ron, and their fabulous team. They're like the Green Berets of public relations. They're the best at what they do. You can find links to these great companies. You can stream past episodes of the All Y'all podcast. You can learn about upcoming events and more at www.allyallblog.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date with All Y'all News, please like the All Y'all Facebook page. We share really cool stuff there. And follow us on Twitter where we're All Y'all Podcast. That's at All Y'all Podcast. And occasionally we will share really great stories from other podcasts that we admire. So it's a great, great thing to do on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Thanks for listening. Ah, 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 ah. We're going to go find the ghost that's in our studio. There is seriously a ghost in I here. I don't know. As soon as you put your hand on the mouse, it stopped hearing that clicking.
You think the ghost wants to use the internet? The World Wide Web? <laughs> if we disappear, it was the ghost. All right. Bye, y'all.